welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest. Tony Lopez is a first-generation American, CEO of Dirty Boots Capital, real estate professional, best-selling author, coach, and speaker. He has earned a Bachelor's of Science in Mechanical Engineering and an MBA from UMass. He worked in the defense industry for 19 years managing multi-million dollar projects while simultaneously building a portfolio of residential income properties. His investments coupled with his understanding of what markets and economics allowed him to retire at an age of 44. What really drives Tony though, is sharing his knowledge and experiences so that others can achieve financial independence and enjoy the same level of freedom he does. Tony, welcome to the show. Lance, thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So before we get into what you do now, what you did before, I would love to know what got you here to this podcast, right? So like you're an yeah. entrepreneur by by my means of the fact that you have these other businesses and what you do now and then the real estate. So are you the first generation to be that kind of an entre entrepreneur? Yes, yes, I I absolutely am, and you know just a little bit on my on my background and why why it's so relevant. Um, because a lot of folks are struggling with the same type of issues I struggled with with and and whatnot. And I share with folks that you know I got to this point being able to retire at forty four was absolutely incredible. I never thought I was going to do it. Mm -hmm. Right, uh, that's not how I was classically trained to think and you know be an entrepreneur. Uh, and so. I am like that average Joe out there that many people can relate to, to say that, you know, yeah, I have a W-2 job, much mm -hmm. like Tony had a W-2 job. I did all the things my my immigrant parents told me to do. It's go to school, get a good education, you'll get a good job, and you'll be taken care of for the rest of your life. A lot of folks out there understand that mantra because they, too, grew up under that, right? Mm -hmm. But unfortunately... I went to school, I got two degrees, I had a great education, I got a great job, and then I got laid off. Mm. Again, something that a lot of us, a lot of your listeners can relate to. Uh, so I bring that realism to the table to help folks, and that's why we do these podcasts. I don't make anything from these podcasts monetarily, mm -hmm. but I have such enjoyment doing these lands because it, it there's just so much opportunity out there in the world for people to achieve more. For themselves and really truly the path to retiring early is out there yeah what what was the tipping point for you then what, that kicked you you know where did you a lot of people cite like books for example right like they've their epiphany was for example they read rich dad poor dad and they contrasted the rich dad versus the poor dad and maybe they grew up with i'm one of those people i grew up with the poor dad my rich dad wasn't even really my dad necessarily it was a general contractor who at one point explained to me how to replicate yourself and what profit what profit was. And it all clicked for me. And I, I could see the difference in the anxiety that my poor dad would have about a $1,000 phone bill, for example, that I ran up one, one, one winter versus Bruce, who was the, the rich dad, metaphorically speaking, had no anxiety about it. Like he was free from the anxiety. So wh where was your tipping point with all of that? Yeah. So I, like many folks like yourself and so many others, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it's a great book. Uh, but prior to that, my tipping point was when I got laid off. And it was that realization that 
I only had, as I describe it, on my financial stool, I only had one leg. And that was my W-2 job. And once I lost my W-2 job, right, you can imagine a, a one-legged uh, stool is very unstable. So once I lost that single leg on my financial stool, I just, you know, um, I mean, I wasn't financially free at that point. So being laid off made it obviously hit home and made me realize I need to create many legs to my to my stool, right, to be yeah. able to create multiple streams of income, you know, whether it's a W2, I don't, you know, I don't talk bad about folks who have a W2 job, it serves people well, you need to learn how to leverage that W2 job, right? So leverage that to be able to now create something more, whether it's real estate, which is a, a great asset class, right? Mm -hmm. uh, get into real estate, create some cash flow for yourself there, some equity for yourself for retirement there, right? But also starting a business, right? Starting a home business, something that you know well. I, I tell a story of a um, uh, somebody I know well. It's a, he's a police officer, right? He deals with break-ins and crime and all sorts of different things, as you can imagine. But he realized there's a need for um, home security, equipment. Mm -hmm. So he goes around and he educates people as a home security company. N then he has a third party that actually comes in and installs the home security. So while he's off working his day job as a police officer, which brings him a tremendous amount of credibility to home security, right? As you can imagine, he's working his day job as a police officer. He's having this third party come in and actually do home security systems because he bridges the gap with those homeowners to have those afternoon and nighttime and weekend conversations to say, hey, this is how they can get into your home through your back door, through your windows. You don't have security cameras or the proper locks, uh, the proper um, uh, video uh, surveillance equipment, right? He helps folks understand that. And because he's a police officer, that there's so much credibility behind what he brings. So he's a guy who has a W-2 job. God bless him. That's great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But now he's supplementing that with an additional stool on his, <laughs> on it, a leg on his stool to be able to add more cash flow uh, to create some financial freedom for himself. You're really speaking my language and especially with your metaphor about, or your analogy to a stool, because that's, a, Alex, longtime listeners of this show know that my business partner and I, Alex, have been, that is our analogy that we use all the time. And we we learned the exact same lessons that you did about, you know, we were we were hired by architects who were considered like regional and then international star architects. So all they would do is they would concentrate on a very small segment of society of and, and clientele that they would get. So they would put all of their eggs in one basket and or put have one stool leg and that was it. So that was our that was our big lesson too. Um so I'm really I'm really feeling you in in that way. How does then so and and, and I I want to reemphasize too just like you did about the W2s. We're not poo-pooing. I am I am also a W2 in like three different ways. I'm a W2 for the architecture firm, a W2 for the uh construction firm and then a W2 at the universities we teach at. But those are three different stool legs now that I have to stand on. If one goes away, I can still maybe balance on the other two or, or whatever. It, it provides you for, with a base. And then from there, the idea is you expand the base. So let's talk about that. How, how like, what do you think the easiest or the best way of like somebody listening to this today, they they are done listening to our, our this show and they say, you know what? I'm, I've listened to Lance, I've listened to Tony. I'm a W2. 
but I'm ready to expand the legs. So what what is the most what is one what are some action items they could make to where they would end up heading in the direction of starting a side business that could turn into a full-fledged business, getting into some real estate where they can maybe house hack, they buy a duplex, they live in one side, they 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 rent the other out to help pay for the mortgage. And then eventually leads them to doing what you did, which is awesome, retire by 44. Yeah. So we are so fortunate today, Lance, with the amount of good information that is out there and not only good, but also free or relatively cheap, right? So if you want to, you know, we can talk either starting your own business or getting into real estate. There are a tremendous amount of great podcasts out there that are free that people can watch and listen to to get a better understanding of how to start their own business or how to get into real estate, right? Um, the other thing people can do is obviously books are a tremendous uh, wealth of information, mm -hmm. uh, you and I and, both, and and others. And you talk to people in, in the industry, uh, the real estate industry, everybody's reading books. We're mm -hmm. all trying to learn from each other, right? To be more powerful and more successful and be help, helping others. So if you're just starting out, picking up Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a great book starter to read. And then you go into the, the, his series, which again, ca Cash Flow Quadrant and other books, super, um, super great and easy to read books, right? You can read them in a weekend. The other book, and for, for your audience out there that maybe they're like, oh, I'm not really into real estate. I'm more into, you know, starting my own business. One of the books I recommend Again, these are cheap things you can yeah. go off and do, buy on Amazon, is the book uh, Who, Not How. So many folks, I, mm. I do, so uh, the multiple legs to my stool, in addition to real estate, I do coaching. I also do consulting, right? I do a bunch of different things to have multiple legs to my stool here. Um, and so one of the things people push back on me on is they are trying to figure out how to do everything themselves, whether it's you know, setting up leases or certain contracts for their business or doing the attorney's job <laughs> or, you know, whatever it they're trying to do it all themselves. And I say, stop, you will never be the expert in all those hows. Yeah. Go find the who. And so Dan Sullivan wrote a great book called Who Not How to be able to help help folks wrap their head around that 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 understanding and so if folks are looking to start a business and even get started in real estate please do yourself a favor go pick up that book um again dan sullivan who not how excellent read it's a very mature thing to do what you're suggesting which is you're let you're understanding your shortfalls and then letting go of them and recognizing that there are experts that would you're better off if you're just hiring those experts and or if you're a service-based business like us, hiring those experts and then billing out those experts with a with a profit on top, that, then it's like a win-win-win in that kind of situation. Yeah, thank, I, I actually wrote down that book recommendation. I'm going to check it out uh, when you do that. And the podcast that Tony's referring to is Robert Kiyosaki has a Rich Dad Poor Dad podcast. Like I highly recommend everybody listens to it, which he, a lot of some of the things he talks about, I really appreciate which that's what I want to ask you about next is like the macroeconomics and where we're at right now. <laughs> so uh, I, 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 there's a, a fellow from, I think the Cato Institute that I follow on Twitter. I, I can't remember his name right off. Oh, Richard Epstein, I think is his name. He just sent a tweet out uh, 
last yesterday last night or something like that and he was showing the graph he was showing like this typical graph that you see that was tracking the recessions and it had everything to do with the fed and the interest rates and where we're at and he's like if history's rhyming at least maybe it doesn't repeat perfectly but at least it rhymes everything that we're seeing chart wise says we're in a recession what where is your take on where we're at with this economy because for me it's just been steady architecture wise it's been actually really good building wise but it certainly hasn't it does it's it's sending me mixed signals like where do you think we're at you know and again you're you're no different than many of us who are looking at the macro space and we're trying to make sense of it and there's many folks i i speak with and we're all trying to wrap our head around it at a high enough level to be able to make good financial decisions not only for ourselves but also for the for the people we serve out there right so i agree with i agree with you i look at a bunch of different Fred charts, right, that are put out by the Federal Reserve. This is their data, you know, uh, so it's right from the Fed. Yeah. And so I'm looking at this data and almost every single chart says we are in a recession or we're heading into a recession. I just looked at uh, one the other day, uh, just this past weekend, where I looked at business inventory on the same chart with unemployment rates. And basically what it shows is as inventory goes down, unemployment goes up. Mm -hmm. And so where we are today is business inventories are going down because they have the same concern as all of us about a potential recession on our doorstep here. So business inventories are coming down, which means if I was to look into a crystal ball and forecast, chances are unemployment is going to go up. We're yep. going to see that. It's just a matter of time. So that's just one of the charts. There's so many out there. But but you're right. It's it's it feels like people today are incredibly they feel incredibly rich mm -hmm. and so what i keep reminding folks is we are in a different time today than where we were even in 2008 during the global financial crisis right we have things like i was just reading an article just just before this podcast just hit the record button here i was reading about ups they now have a plan over five years to get their drivers up to a payout of $172,000. That's with benefits. But their total compensation package for a year for a UPS driver, wow. $172,000. Holy cow, where do I sign up? <laughs> uh, right? And so you look at that and you say, well, that's great for the UPS drivers. They're going to be rich. Um, but what's driving that demand, right? It's everybody wants their packages. Everybody is ordering stuff online. Everybody feels rich and they are consuming. Consumption is very, very high still today. Yeah. So, you know, what? what's driving that? Well, <laughs> you look at things like student loan forbearance, right? These students who have signed contracts, who should have been paying on their student loans, they're feeling very rich these days because mm -hmm. they haven't had to pay those you know, $400 a month uh, payments for their student loans for a very long time. So that's just extra money in their pocket. And if the politicians have their way, they will continue to kick that forbearance down the road and you know, try to keep those, um, those payers very healthy financially 
in being able to keep this consumption society going. So it's not just looking at at the charts and saying we should be in a recession. It's also looking at the politics and what the Fed is doing in terms of keeping the consumer uh, feeling very rich these days. Yeah. Since you since you're in real estate, then and and I would love to hear your take on the the politics around real estate from the from the sense of as an architect, builder, and developer, everybody knows my, my, where I'm where I stand on this, and that is like I think we should have stopped increasing the codes and adding to them in, in 2006. In 2006, they were they were perfect in my opinion. And what I'm getting at what I'm getting at is then you couple those building codes with the extraneous zoning codes we have now. And how how difficult, and then the increasing labor shortage there is in the industry to build stuff, and then you add on the headlines from you know all the mainstream outlets, all the corporate outlets that we're in this real estate, uh, we're in a housing crisis, which technically we are uh, because there's this, and then and then the last thing is sorry to keep going, but like the golden handcuff effect that we're having now, because I think I heard the statistic is like three quarters or something like that of of mortgages in the United States now. Are at, are at rates of four percent or less, so that they have golden handcuffs, meaning like they don't want to, they don't want to try to sell and buy a house, even though they could because the supply is so low, they could sell the house, even with a higher interest rate, but they just don't want to do that. And I totally get it. Like you don't want to be a slave to debt in in that kind of way. So what is like? Where do you see any light at the end of the tunnel for us to solve this housing crisis? It, besides getting the government out of the way. No, that that's that's a great question, and and actually, I was just on the phone with somebody just yesterday trying to help them think through this, you know, because they they called me and they said the same exact thing. They're like, Tony, I want to move to a different state where I can get paid more, make more salary, save more for retirement, but I'm handcuffed because I can't sell my home. They they live in Arizona. I can't sell my home in Arizona because I have a sub four percent interest rate. Because wherever I go and I buy, I'm going to have like a seven percent interest mm -hmm. rate. That math just doesn't work for me. And so they're they're handcuffed, like you're saying. Um, great in some regards, but what it, what I shared with him, because he does want to get into real estate, and so he's trying to figure all this out. And he's like, Tony, how do, how do I do it, mm -hmm. right? And so one of the lights that I see happening today, not, not at the end of the tunnel, happening today. And so for many of your many of your listeners and your viewers here, hopefully this helps them in some way. Many states, towns, cities have loosened the ADU requirement, the accessory dwelling yeah. unit requirement. Mm -hmm. So if you know folks are looking to increase their cash flow, add another leg to the stool of their financial freedom, right? Adding an ADU either to their existing home to be a to be able to create cash flow it is a great idea, right? It's not for everybody, but it's an idea that there's a light there for for folks to to uh, you know to to flip that light on. Um, outside of that, part of the conversation was, you know, Tony, the the houses around here are so expensive. Even if I go in and I go to fix and flip, mm -hmm. which has been a tremendous source source of profitability for a lot of people out there doing fix and flips. Today it's it's less profitable. Yeah. So how how do I do it? Well, I said, go buy a, a property where it makes sense to buy, renovate, and add a ADU, an accessory dwelling unit, to that property. Because now when you sell it, you're selling it with a an in-law or 
a potential rental unit with it. So now you bought a property for 400K, you put 50K into it in terms of remodels, even if you put 100K into mm -hmm. it, now you've invested 500K, you could potentially sell that property for 600, 650, 700, depending on your location, right? I mean, the, the math is different wherever you go, um, but that's a great way to add value to a property and create cash flow if you're doing it to your own home. I love that. Yeah, I, I and it's absolutely true. They're finally opening up that little sector and, and making it easier on people. There's even towns that actually have like pre-engineered and pre-architected plans that are ready to go for the ADU sector um, that, that is happening. So what, what's it, Tony is saying is absolutely true. There's three things, three big, three nouns that you used in your bio that I that I wanted you to touch on, and that is people, propaganda, and profits, and how they might eat your lunch if you let them expand on that. Yeah, so people being um, the politicians, uh, the Federal Reserve, uh, people like that, uh, spewing uh, propaganda, mm -hmm. uh, falsehoods, and the media. Uh, doesn't help in many of these situations. They just propagate that propaganda. Um, and they're using, these people are using propaganda to promote their own self-interest, their own profits. Now, those profits can come in the terms of monetary cash profit, or they can come in the form of votes, right? So we look at this student, I touched on the, the student loans, right, where we have this this dynamic going on where it's being this this propaganda of you know not allowing students to pay their student loans that's being weaponized by the politicians through this propaganda machine to be able to get them votes from that population of voters right um so we look at that all over the place and and so for folks who who don't subscribe to what i'm saying and the fact that the government uses propaganda on us, they absolutely do. Uh, and so I go back and I, I say, and this is, you can research it. You can go, this isn't Tony Lopes making stuff up. I'm, I'm truly not this smart to yep. make this stuff up. You know, uh, Camel, going back, I think it was the, the 1930s, Camel or somewhere around there. Camel uh, Cigarette Company had a tremendous problem. They were capped out with their sales they were struggling. So they brought in this marketeer. His name is Edward Bernays. They brought in Edward Bernays. He's the nephew of uh, Freud, by the way. Uh, they bring in Edward Bernays and they say, help us. We've maxed out our profits. Edward Bernays looked at it and he said, well, you're only hitting half your audience, men. You're mm -hmm. not reaching women. So Edward, Edward Bernays created this, this campaign, this marketing campaign of the Freedom Torch for women when it was free lib movement, getting uh, women's rights to vote, all that sort of stuff. He used that to get into the minds of the consumer, women in this case, hmm. to buy Camel cigarettes. And what happened to the sales? They skyrocketed right after that campaign. The US government took notice. Guess who Edward Bernays went to work for after that campaign? The US government. Right. So the U.S. government is using market marketing on us. They're using propaganda on us. That's a very true story. You can go read it and, you know, on Wikipedia. Um, and 
yeah, it's it's well, being weaponized and used on us each and every day. Yeah, and I'll I'll even add on to Tony's example. Uh, was it Jen Pazinski? I'm, I'm the last name is failing me here. The former White House spokeslady. It's a revolving door between that. As soon as she retired, then she went to I think CNN or MSNBC. Like this is how it works. So to think that it's not a revolving door in and out, back and forth, and that there's there's no connection after they leave the White House yeah. or any government agency, and there's not talking points or memos sent out is completely false. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, one one uh, one topic I we ha we're running up on the half hour here, and I've got three questions left for you. This, the first is we we have to talk about this. Uh, one of the reasons why I had you on the show was AI. And it, it, this is the year of AI. It, it, in the last 18 months, like the, the rise and the, the number of times it's in the Google searches, it just you, you can't miss it. Um, where do you see it? How do you see it impacting our economy and largely our freedoms? Well, it depends on what side of the equation you stand on, right? If you're not paying attention to what AI is doing and the value that it has, um, then you might be on the wrong side of the equation, right? Uh, whereas if you're like a lot of uh, sophisticated real estate investors that we work with and a lot of sophisticated business owners, we're paying attention and mm -hmm. we're using AI for, for our benefit. So there, there's good and bad to it. it. It's just a matter of what side you stand on. And so when I say bad, I'll use the example of, you know, AI, if you have a child, that is going to school to be, um, you know, go to school for communications or journalism or even to become a contract lawyer. I would be very cautious right now because a lot of that work, your kid's going to go to school over the next four years, maybe seven years to get their advanced degree, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. During that period of time, AI is going to advance so incredibly much that communications, can be done through AI, right? Can be created uh, through the news stories already out there. It has that intelligence. We know that adds that today. So communications degrees are going to become less valuable. Um, even software engineers, right? There's AI out there today that can do some level of work of a software engineer. So we got to be careful about that, as well as contract lawyers. Contracts are contracts. I mean, how that's put together, it's a lot of it's, you know, boilerplate stuff. Yeah. And so can be put together by AI. So those could be the potential losers, people who are going to school for that, people who are already in those fields. You got to try to wrap your head around that and see where you fit and how you can leverage, right? Leverage AI for your benefit. And so that's where we in real estate and business, those of us that are using AI, we're looking at it and we're saying, okay, you know, how do we maximize this great new tool for good? And so we're using it to enhance our, our marketing, enhance our communications, enhance the videos that we produce. Uh, it, there's so many different things we're using AI for. And so that provides us a great amount of service because I don't have to go hire 10 people to do those things. Right. I, I just use AI, you know, through my existing staff to be able to do that stuff. And so not only do we have a greater reach, we have a greater efficiency in the business, not only in terms of work getting done, but also the cost efficiency. Right. AI works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365. Right. I never have to pay AI for a day off or for a holiday. It's always working. And so we recognize that and we leverage that for our business. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, second to last question here, Tony, I ask everybody this, knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time to when you first started your business and investing, what is one piece of advice you'd give your former self? I'm going to go back to who, not how. That was such a tremendous uh, book. I did, Lance, I worked too many things trying to figure out how to do it. I did that far too. Even though I retired at 44, mm -hmm. I spent way too much time trying to figure out all the hows. And that would probably be my first thing. I would be, you know, uh, you know, monetarily light years ahead of where I am now. And, you know, I don't know, maybe I would be in a, on a yacht someplace in, in the middle of uh, the Mediterranean Sea or something. I don't know. But I, I would be light years ahead of where I am now if I better leveraged who, not how. And doing everything myself. Yeah, I highly encourage everybody to check that out. I'm going to check it out myself. Tony, this has been fantastic. I'm so glad I had you on it. You were exactly what I was hoping you would be in terms of a guest. Where can people find and follow you if they want to learn more? The best place is just go to my uh, website, uh, dirtybootscapital.com. You'll see all the content that we produce there and how we help people. Uh, if you want to send me an email, send it to Tony Lopes, L-O-P-E-S, Tony Lopes at dirtybootscapital.com. And if they're interested in picking up my book, Freedom at Risk, How to Protect Your Personal and Financial Freedoms, they can pick that up on Amazon. Beautiful. Thanks so much, Tony. We really appreciate your time today. Excellent, Lance. Thank you for having me on.